Great. Thanks very much, Andy. Lovely to be with you. And can I just uh, add my well done, Church, just for carrying on uh, through these pandemic times. I don't think any of us really saw this uh, coming, as it were, and everyone's had to do lots of things they didn't expect to do. So in my book, any church that is carrying on uh, has done well. So well done for that. Second one, just want to say is I'm talking to you about uh, the role of the apostle. Uh, there used to be a joke back in the day with New Frontiers that apostles all wore, wore Czech shirts. And so I dug in my wardrobe to try and find a, a shirt that had a bit of Czech in it. This was the closest I could come up with. So I've kind of got my semi-Czech shirt on. And thirdly, just to say, as it's Pentecost Sunday, uh, we will be, um, as part of this talk, talking a bit about the Holy Spirit as well. So it's great to be with you and just want to send you love and greetings uh, from everybody at King's Church, Oxted, uh, where I am and have been for about the last 16, 17 years. And this is another first for me. Uh, I'm preaching to another church in my kitchen dining room. So uh, this is a, a first live on a Sunday morning uh, to another place. Uh, thank you for inviting me to come and uh, speak to you uh, as part of this Ephesians 4 series. And uh, Specifically this morning, the role of the apostle. I'm not an apostle, but for the last uh, seven, eight years, I've been working closely with Dave Holden, uh, who is an apostle as part of his apostolic team, serving and helping and hopefully doing an apostolic work into churches. And so whilst we can't cover everything this morning, and as I say, I'm not an, ap an apostle, I do feel confident from the word of God and from my work with Dave over the last seven or eight years to speak to you on this subject. And as we go through this morning, you'll see that I'll probably end up using the word apostle and apostolic fairly interchangeably, uh, as long as we understand that what I mean by apostolic is uh, people who are connected to an apostle that are doing the work that the apostle in a sense want them to do, that are sent as part of his team. And as this uh, is a talk that's part of a series, I think you may have already looked at some of the key verses in Ephesians 4. That's what I think you're looking at, some of the Ephesians 4 ministries, these gifts that are given to the church, that's you and me, so that we might be equipped and built up uh, to do all that God has planned and purposed for us to do. But let me just uh, start off by reminding ourselves of this verse. And I think someone may be showing some of the slides for me. Thank you very much, uh, whoever's uh, doing that. So let me just uh, start off by reading Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together 
by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So there we have the uh, Ephesians four gifts as they're called. And as we see, they aren't professional experts who are supposed to do everything. They're enabled, if you like, to equip all of us, God's people, to do everything. And that way, Jesus gets all the glory and no one person gets put up on a pedestal that eventually they may well fall off of. So let me just begin by saying a few general points about why it's important for us before we get into some of the details of what an apostle does. First one I think is important because there is a new generation of people coming through. There are maybe new people joining our churches who maybe have little or no idea of the biblical teaching about an apostle. Secondly, I think it's key for churches and church planting today. A question that's often asked is, do apostles plant churches or do churches plant churches? And the truth is that both are key and both are involved. And so each one has to understand the part that they play and that the other plays. I think in many ways the apostolic is like an overarching role for all the other Ephesians for ministries. You can't really understand the role of others unless you understand the central role of this one. And I think also it's important we look at this because over the years this has been a word and a role which has been used and abused and misused. In the 1960s churches like ours were fighting for the role of the apostle and yet 30-40 years later every other church leader seems to be an apostle. Now suddenly we have apostles that are outside of the church doing all manner of things. So if I say that word apostle, even to Christians it may conjure up an image of hierarchy. Maybe someone who's got his own jet flies in and out. Maybe someone who's distant. Maybe someone who lords it over, who is uh, positional, organisational. Maybe it conjures up the idea of someone who is controlling, maybe abusive, maybe something to do with money, maybe a feeling that the local church exists to serve the apostle and not the other way around. So we need to have the biblical understanding of an apostle and Ephesians 4 ministries, which at heart is that they should be Christ-centred, cross-centred and servant-centred. I heard the story of a New Frontiers pastor, a guy who joined New Frontiers, because having seen Terry Virgo, uh, who was the original, if you like, New Frontiers apostle, on the stage at the Brighton conference, then this pastor found himself in front of Terry Virgo in the coffee queue. And he couldn't believe that the apostle for New Frontiers was stood in the queue for coffee. And he got talking to Terry about it, and he realised that he is... Terry's view of, of an apostle was completely different to this guy's, and he ended up joining us. Over the last few years, as new ground, we've been working with a number of Brazilian pastors who have been very hurt and damaged by uh, their experience of the apostolic in that nation. And so Dave and others have been meeting with them each month to pray, to talk, to share, to get to know them. So you've got to be able to 
understand well, what is the difference between the authentic and that which is not authentic. And I think what you're looking for is that there's a grace of God and a gift of God on someone for this role. Someone isn't an apostle just because they say they're an apostle, just because they type it on their business card, does not make them an apostle. It's God who appoints, because it's God who anoints. And then other apostles and other Christians can look and see the grace and the gift of God on them. So what do apostles and apostolic ministry do? What, what do they seek to bring about? Well, I think uh, we have to look into the New Testament for our answers. We have to see what did the first apostles do? And I think what we see is that it's an active and it's an activating ministry. It's an active and it's an activating ministry. Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13 and 14, we see are sent to preach and they go to a place, they see some people saved, they form them into a local community and then they travel around what looks like a kind of circuit and they lay hands and they appoint elders in every uh, one of these new locally formed communities of new believers and then they seem to travel around and as they go around they preach and they teach and they strengthen and they appoint elders and then eventually having done a kind of tour they head back to their home church that sent them and report everything that God has done. And even in the New Testament, when other people went and preached the gospel and people got saved, as soon as the apostles heard about it, they went down and taught and laid hands to see the Holy Spirit come. We can read about it in Acts 8, Acts 14 to 17. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So the picture of the apostles, I think, in the New Testament is of they're active, they're involved, they're traveling, they're planting. They're laying foundations, they're gathering other giftings. They're sending some people to some of these new communities. There is something dynamic, something fluid. They're not bogged down in admin. They're not trying to follow some kind of formula. And you know, once they've appointed elders in local churches, those local elders get on with the job of appointing deacons and leaders to train and release everyone else to do everything that the church needs to evangelize to care to share to train to encourage for me that's a summary of the kind of picture that we see in the book of acts so let's just answer this question then four things i want to share with you this morning that apostles do and the first one is this they lay foundations in local churches 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10, Paul said this, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should 
build with care. Foundational things like the Bible being the authoritative word of God and relevant for every generation from the first generation to the last generation. Foundational things like who we are as the people of God, sons and daughters of God, his family on earth. Key areas of doctrine like salvation and grace, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Foundational things like how we treat one another, how we honour leaders, how leaders are servants and not dictators among us. Foundational things like history being God's great story of his dealing with mankind, which include him sending his son Jesus, that whoever puts their faith in him may have eternal life. See, apostles lay or make sure that these are the foundations upon which local churches are built upon. Because if you build upon a faulty or a weak or a lacking foundation, eventually the whole building moves, shakes, and then collapses. But it's also true that even if you lay these good foundations in churches, sometimes they need to be repaired. They need to be relayed. They need to be reinforced. They need to be reminded. Sometimes through the erosion of time or the maybe one generation doesn't quite pass it down to the next generation. Or maybe there's pressure exerted by an individual or even by a society at a particular moment in time. That means the local church needs to be strengthened in a particular foundation that has been previously laid. So there is, I believe, this initial laying of foundations. And then I think there is this ongoing shaping, reminding, strengthening of good biblical foundations that an apostle or their apostolic team do. Maybe I'm an example of that this morning. I'm not an apostle, but I serve on Dave's apostolic team. And I'm trying to remind you of the good foundation that's already been laid in this church around the role of an apostle. See, in the New Testament, there's nothing of independent churches who have no contact or input with the apostolic. Once they've been planted, they wanted help, input, challenge. So that's the first thing they do, something around foundations. Second one is ongoing care. Again, let's think about the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He, he cared for churches even when he was in prison, often by sending letters because there was no Zoom, no WhatsApp, no videos in Paul's day. He used what he had, which was to send letters. And his letters are full of warmth and full of friendship. But they also sometimes gave kind of in-your-face warnings. He writes to the Galatians in Galatians 3, verse 1, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Are you so foolish after beginning by the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And sometimes he visited in prison. Sometimes they received a letter, which was a circular, sent to a number of churches. Sometimes he had to sort out errors. 
sometimes false teachers, sometimes what the Bible calls super apostles, like it says in 2 Corinthians 12. These super apostles that the Bible says they taught powerfully and moved in signs and wonders. But Paul said, no, no, they're false. They're not the real deal. And when the church is questioned, Paul, so what are your credentials against these super apostles? His answer was, well, he said, I'm weak. And they probably thought that's not much of an answer, Paul. But then he explained to them that when he was weak, he was strong because then God could work powerfully through him. So Paul cared for churches, but that didn't mean that he physically went every week, every month, even every year. He certainly didn't sort out their issues. And his care sometimes came in the form of a rebuke or a warning. Sometimes his care meant he sent others to remind them of his ways in God. Sometimes he sent letters. So apostles do care, and they do care for churches, but I think they don't always care in the way that some individual Christians or even churches think they should or that they want them to. They're not a cross between a kind of 24-7 pastor, nurse, super counsellor, helper, available to help every church through every difficulty that it can ever face, every challenge. Actually, if they did that, they wouldn't be bringing the church to maturity, which is what it says in Ephesians 4. Because I think that sounds a lot like the role of the Holy Spirit, which is apt on Pentecost Sunday. And, you know, I think Dave Holden is good. But he's not that good. He's not a replacement for the Holy Spirit. So they do care. But sometimes I think their care doesn't always look like what we uh, may think it should. The third key thing I think that apostles do is to be obsessed with the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad it's Pentecost Sunday and this one is in here. And I use this word obsessed with the Spirit because it's how Dave Holden himself explains this point. Because really, is there a better idea for the advance of the kingdom of God through the church than the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm thrilled that Andy's going to be talking about, you know, worshipping in the spirit, that it should bring about change. Next week, I think I'm going to listen to that one after I've been back in Oxted. Just think about the people in Acts 1 and Acts 2. They're the same people. In Acts 1, they're upstairs, scared, hiding from the world. In Acts 2, they're out there in one of the most difficult, hostile situations, preaching the gospel fearlessly. And the difference is the person of the Holy Spirit. We may think we need a better website, nicer coffee, bigger bands, whatever, whatever. Those things are all good and nothing wrong with them. But what we actually need in this nation and in the church is more of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the New Testament, you see a lot uh, of work with the, the apostles and the Holy Spirit. They're either coming from or going to lay hands on someone to receive the Spirit. Paul's answer to the church in Corinth, who were exercising too many gifts of the Spirit, that it was becoming chaotic, was not to stop them. He said, no, no, just have two or three tongues of interpretation. Uh, so that people can understand. So if there's an apostle among you, they should ask, they probably will ask, where's the spirit? 
Where are the gifts of the Spirit? Where's the contributions? Because they know that as local churches, we need the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit to fulfill Jesus's great commission. We're not going to get it done without him. And so they look for evidence of the Spirit among us. So apostles ask, sometimes they shake, sometimes they stir, but I think most of all they keep calling people, reminding churches we need the power, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, number four. Number four is mission. Mission, 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 which for an apostle means church planting. Church planting. Other missional opportunities are great, but apostles are really concerned with church planting. Let me plant a group of believers in that place and they will get on with the job of reaching it through the Holy Spirit. And mission really trumps everything for an apostle. In fact, numbers one, two and three that we've looked at only work in the context of mission. You see, as a church or even an individual, if your expectation of an apostle is limited to numbers one, two and three, they're about foundation, care, reminding us about the Holy Spirit. Truth is, you'll probably become inward focused, internalized. Probably end up maybe complaining. We don't see the apostle enough, not around enough. Thought he'd be here more to care for us without realizing, actually, they're probably not here because they're busy getting on with the mission that we're all involved in. Apostles are not to be super elders, super pastors, not even pastors, pastors. They're not supposed to spend all their time going around, checking that each individual church is okay in every single area. They're actually supposed to catch local churches up on the apostolic mission that God has called us to together. Which means we are on this mission of church planting together. And on the way, on the journey, on the move, there will be help and care and encouragement. In Romans 15, Paul, it's a fascinating little bit, Romans 15, Paul says he wants to visit them and longs to visit them, but he's passing through because he's on mission and he wants them involved in that. But right now he's heading off to here to take the offering. Listen to what he says. Paul writing to the, the church in Rome. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, well, there was loads more places for Paul to work. But he considered he planted a church and they'll now get on with reaching uh, those parts. And since I've been longing for many years to visit you, that's his heart. He longs to be with this church. I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. He doesn't drop the mission to meet their needs. Rather, he wants to catch them up. He wants to involve them in the mission that God has for them. So often, apostles ask churches, local churches, maybe awkward questions like, what about the regions beyond? How are you getting on with making disciples from all nations. I think if we're left to look to ourselves, I know this is true of me, Christians and churches tend to look inwards. We tend to look to ourselves. We tend to close down. But an apostle has got a bigger view, a vision 
that Jesus has for the great commission that he takes seriously. Let me bring this to land somewhere. Apostles do help local churches to fulfill their local vision. How Christ's first church is going to reach Watford is an important question. It's a mission that you are on. In the same way here at King's Oxted, we are on a mission to reach this area. It's hugely important. But it's not biblical for a local church to stop at its own area or postcode. It needs to play its part in reaching regions beyond nations and people groups as yet unreached. And I think apostles help local churches to lift their eyes from the sometimes all-consuming, intense uh, life of the local church to a wider, more global mission to help them keep the big picture. And I think that's good and healthy. I've heard it said that New Frontiers was maybe built on a pastoral foundation, not an apostolic foundation. I'm not saying Terry Virgo wasn't an apostle. He was and he is. I'm just saying I think Terry at heart was a pastor teacher. And maybe the bias was towards caring for local churches. And that's good and necessary. However, if that's your bias, there's a danger over time. You can lose a sense of call and a sense of mission. Because if the church is built on a pastoral foundation, people in the church tend to think, that the church exists to primarily meet their needs. Whereas if the church is founded on an apostolic foundation, I think it helps people to remember that the church that they're part of exists primarily to be on Jesus's mission. Not to ignore care or pastoring or teaching, but it must be done in the context of mission actively involved in planting more of what we are, communities of God's people on the earth. So what difference does the apostolic make to Christ first Watford and therefore to you, the church, your, this local church? Well, I think your good foundations were laid back in the day by the apostolic and hopefully they're kept straight and true and strong. You do receive a level of care. It may not come through personal visits from Dave, but it can come in a variety of different ways. Events, conferences, back in the day when we used to be able to have them, or maybe Zoom calls with elders or children's workers or youth leaders, staff on the website, videos, maybe visits from people like me on behalf of the apostolic team, prayer days, prayer evenings. I think maybe you receive a healthy reminder from Dave in various ways, if you ever hear him speak, of the need for the person, the power of the Holy Spirit. On our website, you'll see a whole series of talks that Dave did exactly on the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And you are actively involved in mission, in planting churches, because it is a partnership. Every mission opportunity and moment that Christ first Watford is involved in, somehow New Ground is involved in. And every church that New Ground has planted, somehow Christ first church Watford has also planted. Because the truth is that neither of us can do what God has called us to do without the other one. 
So well done. You've played your part in planting churches in France and Holland and Germany and Switzerland and Scotland and England over the last seven, eight years. Through your prayers, your love, your support, your giving. You've strengthened, blessed, released hundreds of thousands of pounds to support God's work around the world, particularly in places like Zimbabwe and India. Right now, you're gathering and blessing a whole number of churches in Brazil. How? Because what we do, you do. And what you do, we do. New ground and Christ first are in this partnership, this apostolic mission together. And that's what I think apostles do. They catch up local churches and get us working together on the mission that God has called us to. My prayer is that somehow that uh, by the grace of God, what I've shared will be helpful to you and instructive to you as a church. And I'm going to end there because it's 29 minutes already. Bless you and thank you for having me. My prayers are with you, Christ first in Watford. I look forward to the day when I can come across and have a cup of coffee with you.